Man, look at that. Double duty. Well, a plenty for the cold open to this one. Let's clap it off. Let's, let's go. Ready? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, deux, trois. Welcome back, everybody. The most awesome brand and sports podcast coming at you as we always do. And we have a dynamite episode 224 for your eardrums. Guys, just a favor. Please subscribe. Leave five stars. Tell a friend. Shoot us an email at mabsportspodcast at gmail.com. I am Brandon. With me, as always, my brother who's stateside. Most awesome. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm here in jolly old Indiana. I don't know. <laughs> You're there, bro. Yeah, I'm Indiana. There. Yeah, it's I'm kind there. of. The, the heart of the nation. So what, what all when you, because you were sealing with through a move, right? You What's moved. that? You went, you did a move. How far away yeah. was your old house to your new house? Uh, Probably like seven miles door to door, probably somewhere in there. Not, okay. not, not terribly so that, far. So has it changed? Like, is it new grocery stores? Is it new? We were just talking about a haircut earlier. It might make it mm-hmm. the cold open, might not. But is there mm-hmm. like, you reset all that? Like you're just physician, all that stuff just stays the same? Yeah, yeah, all that stuff stays the same because traffic isn't like crazy. It's like we can get anywhere pretty much. But now we're we're a lot closer to the places that we usually would uh, uh, like, like the pizza place that the kids like we're closer to ice nice. cream, that sort of stuff. The restaurants that we would normally go to were closer to grocery store did change. So but it's there's one grocery store all in that like kind of like, uh, you know, complex area. So it's it it's and it's the same chain. So it's like, all right, great. Perfect. Martin's still connects here. We're doing it. Are you closer to where we saw Mike Golick that one morning? Yes, when you exactly right. Breakfast? That whole place. Nice. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah we're yeah, closer there. Spot. Yeah. It's a good spot. <laughs> Lots of great. stuff there, you know, good selections and uh, nice bars and restaurants, nice little wine bar that opened up since I think we last saw a couple bin, bin 23 over there. Me and mm-hmm. Dr. Mrs. The Commission went there. I just saw a just on a lark, just just feeling it. Mm. Went out there, and uh, that's pretty good, you know. So it's good. We got our we got our little stuff over there. That's good. So uh, the house settling, everyone kind of knows. Or, or it feels like things are in spots. Things are where they're supposed to be. Like you know, shaving kit, the pepper, like, <laughs> yeah, right, all that stuff. Just kind of like. <laughs> They're right there, yeah. They're, well, I do my Good. shaving in the kitchen, so I just keep them all the you pepper do. and yeah, yeah. right there, all together sense. in the same spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Efficiency. <laughs> just like you shower with coffee, I've I got do, my shaving kit next to the pepper. Um, all right. Well, one thing we'll be efficient on, and that's this episode 224. <laughs> we got ripped from the headlines. We're looking at the NBA Finals. We'll wrap that up. Um, a new segment, Most Awesome How Awesome Rankings. We're going to do all-time mm-hmm. NBA coaches. Do the Neapolitan Showdown. We're going to top top fictional lawyers. Brandon the Gambling Corner. We're going to take a look at those NFL MVP odds that are out. They're going to finish as we always do with your MVP of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, you're a power. It starts now. Extra, extra, read all about it. I'm talking front page story all over the world. It shook up men, women, boys, and girls. The headlines there. If you want to be rich, then you better make sure. You got your oh, come on. All right, bro. Uh, for the headlines, NBA Finals. What are we talking about this week, man? Uh, because we nailed it. Warriors and six, just like we said. You guys exactly didn't even, said. yeah, I, you guys didn't even tune in. We said it early, didn't have and to watch saw... it, didn't yeah. even have to watch it. Mm-mm. I actually I got off the bus. I thought 
Do you think the war? Okay, uh, so two questions. Like, do you think the Warriors are better teams than the Celtics? And then, well, I guess you already said like you would guess it in six, but I don't know. After that game, I guess after the first two games, I thought like the Celtics were a better team. Am I not seeing it clearly? No, no. I think I think you are. I think it's the. I think here's the deal: is Steph Curry played hands down better than anyone in the series most consistently. And he's the biggest star and that proves the rule that the NBA, the star system is, is usually the kind of uh, benchmark for a team success. And he was by and large better than everyone in that series, maybe cumulatively, as we did like our rankings, we've, we found that the Celtics, you know, two through six probably had better parts, but the chasm between their number one and the warriors number one was huge. And that was something that they could not overcome. And yeah, I mean, we thought maybe it would push to seven, a seven game series, you know, the, the Celtics stole game one, and that was a big surprise to everybody. But um, ultimately when it comes down to it, I think Steph was just hands down better than everybody. So is Jason Tatum going to reach that level of superstar? Do you have Jason Tatum in your top 15 players in the league? Yes. Yes. Without quickly thinking, I don't know. I mean, I would, I would rank him somewhere in, and I'm, I'm just spitballing right now, probably in that eight, nine, 10 ish range somewhere in there. Cause I think like his skill set level on a day-to-day basis, you could, he's, he's as good as anyone. I mean, there was moments in that series, he was as good as Steph Curry and really caring offensively. I think the problem is with Jason Tatum is, is his, he's, he's got some, some real um, holes in his game. And I think he got really accentuated and exploited in that series. It's really loose of the ball makes, makes poor court decisions. You almost got to wonder how, if he, if he can, if he can bridge that gap or if they need a better complementary piece for Jason Tatum than, than Jalen Brown. Man, I always want to hold your feet to the fire on this top eight thing. Like you think he's top eight? Yeah. I mean, when we got, you got Steph, Giannis, KD. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm just going with the top of my head. Steph, Giannis, yeah, KD. Mm. No order uh, here. Just everyone above yeah. Jason Tatum. Uh, uh, LeBron, obviously that's four. Um, let me just pull up. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think here. Cause that's really, no, yeah, you, start, you start looking at Joel Embiid, right? Five. Um, right. You put Jokic ahead of Jason Tatum. Yeah, I mean you have to. You have to, right? I Two mean, MVPs, like, sure. You're literally yeah. MVP votes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just I like we start looking at just like okay, so what are the teams that have a number one that you would switch it for? Like, do you take? Well, it's going to lead into another question, so no spoilers. But like, do you take? You know, you take Booker over Jason Tatum. I would take Jason Tatum over Booker. Okay. You know, I think offensively, I, you know, I think offensively, Booker is a little bit more of a one-trick pony. I think, I think, size and what offensively he can Booker or uh, uh, Jason Tatum can go into the post, post guys up if you really wanted to. Yeah, that's good. okay. So, do you take you know like uh, you take, take over Harden? Over Harden, yeah, I take him over Harden. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and over Trey Young. Over Trey, Trey Long. Kind of proved it. Yeah. Yeah. I would take him over. I'm just looking at the all-stars right here. Um, 
Ooh, would you? I don't know if I would take him over John Moran. I'd ask that. <laughs> I just think for electricity purposes, I would take John Morant over Jason Tatum. And it's also like John Morant's uh, a couple years younger. I mean, Jason Tatum's still super young. Right. But it still seems like they, I neither of them have hit their apex, but I like, I don't know, I just, I like John Morant's attitude on the court where we yep. have Jason Tatum. Feels like he can disappear a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So I, here's, Go ahead. Here's a question I want to ask you. Okay, so, so that's you're going six into or seven, right? That's six or seven guys right there. Yeah, we get we had a, yeah. So you're taking him over Anthony Davis. Yeah, I take him over Anthony. What about Carl Anthony Towns? You take him over Cat. Yeah, yeah. Because I think we're getting to the spot now where are we picking him over like kind of kind of either like just the haven't leveled up yet or like the two spots. And you feel like Jason Tatum has enough to be the number one on the team. Yes, I do. I think he does. Like you said, he's still 24. He's still young. I just, I'm just wondering what that complimentary piece is that's going to kind of unlock him, you know? And, uh, well, you know, I mean, is Brown not enough? It feels like I, I, you can't ask for like a, a better, like, number two? two that doesn't ask for the ball too much that can really, like, especially like it takes the pressure off you because, like, Brown seems to be really solid in like first quarters, like, just. But maybe that's part of his problem. But I mean, I love how just like to rely on your number two to just like get going. I don't know if that makes you not a good number one, but the fact like it felt like, especially in these finals, like we saw, you know, a couple of those games that Brown just outscored everybody for a quarter. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. Yeah. That's, that's really what the question is is, is Brown enough or are they just have, do they just in that Venn diagram of basketball skills between, you know, Brown and Tatum do too much overlap? You know what I mean? Does too much yeah. go there? I don't know if anyone's like, is is Brown the defensive? Like I think about like Jordan and Pippen, right? And the complementary features of, of both of them to each other. Pippen being a great defender, good like initiator of the offense. You know, he really was kind of the definition of the point forward where people were talking about that. So in the Jason Tatum scoring you know, taking over, getting shots from wherever, wherever he wants, kind of driving, getting to the bucket. Brown has a lot of those similar things, but I don't know if Brown's the defensive stopper and Jason Tatum definitely isn't the defensive stopper. So it's like, well, where do we, you know, and he's not really, you know, Brown's had as almost as many turnovers, I think, as, as Tatum yeah. did in that final series. So, so who's going to be the, the initiating offense? That's, that's what I'm wondering. And you're right. Brown is every, every bit a good like number two banana and, and and would fit probably like some perfect molds. Like we talked about John Morant, like what a great wing asset Jalen Brown would be, you know what yeah. I mean? To really like unlock the two of them. Those, those guys would be unstoppable on the floor. Um, so I just don't know with, with Jason Tatum, where, where we go, if he can, if he can be the, 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 the initiator of the offense, bring up and create offense, when his team needs it, you know, then you just need Marcus Smart and Robert Williams to kind of defend the back end for him, take a little pressure off of him that way. But if we can't get if we can't get Tatum to that like playmaker level where, you know, everyone's scared of him and he reads the floor correctly and makes the right pass, um, you know, I don't know if Tatum's got that in his game to do that. Does Jalen Brown give a shit about being number two? Is he, does he have an attitude like he wants to be a number one? It doesn't seem like it bothers him. No, I don't think it bothers him at all. I mean, it, it, that's what makes a great number two, right? Like he's yeah. 
he's comfortable in his skills. <laughs> well, yeah, as long as it doesn't come out like 30 years later and they do like a doc series that's like six episodes long. <laughs> right, they're just like, right, right. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> that's the he starts, he starts <laughs> fucking bitching and moaning 30 years later. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get a Save the Last Dance Celtics edition. I don't know. Um, but, but but yeah, I mean, as of right now, as it stands, he seems to sure. be you know, very right. suited for that position. We've been fooled before, but yes, it appears. Exactly. Where our guard's up. We see you, Jalen Brown. We don't know what your story is. Has there been any story? Like, I, I've been trying to, because, you know, we've talked Booker. We've talked, and it's, it seemed like, you know, there was that that lull in the early 2000s where he didn't get a lot of superstars, you know, LeBron kind of took over for Jordan, which is all we needed. Now it seems like we have a bunch of superstars, you know, like 15, 16, like teams deep, which is very exciting. Is there like, can you remember a specific star that kind of didn't, because I don't want to talk about like bust. So I'm not talking about, you know, uh, who is the Ohio, you fill out the rest. I'm not talking about Odin's or anything. Like I'm not talking about like, you know, uh, Parker's or anything. I'm just wondering if there's a superstar that felt like he was almost there that didn't get there because it feels like we have a couple at least in Booker and Tatum. And I know they're young, so I'm being kind of a little unfair. But do you remember any kind of superstars that from earlier that we can kind of you know draw a parallel line to that almost felt like they were almost there, but then it just didn't quite happen? Like is it Carmelo Anthony? Like was Carmelo Anthony supposed to be like a number one on a team and it just never clicked? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was very much the number one Carmelo on those teams and carried those teams. He just didn't ever, he, he just like, didn't have, ever, quite have, he didn't quite have enough. Yeah. He didn't quite have enough. I mean, if you want to talk about like a Chris Bosch in that same draft class, like great example. I mean, obviously he won, but he was really became like a third banana in those right. Miami heat teams, but he was in, he was dominant right out of the gates in Toronto and yeah. really led them. And, 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 you know, so it's kind of hard to, to pinpoint those guys, you know, obviously Derek Rose, you look at, you know, oh, I guess, so are you saying like they're number ones, but they never quite, yeah it's like that level like we like we kind of they gave it to us early we were like oh they didn't really peak they're about to do it but they never quite peaked and we just kind of forgot about them like is it like an agent zero thing like you know what i mean like it's just like i'm trying to think of players like because this seems very specific to booker and tatum like both of them like everyone is just like these guys are superstars and we get super excited about them like the first round of the playoffs is just like these guys can tear carry teams and in some games they just absolutely disappear right yes we we get really we start to anoint them as like the next guy to take the mantle and and for yeah, the long- not, yes not even that we need right we don't need another guy like we're chock full of superstars but we're just like I don't know if it's just like the victim moment. We're just like, oh, these guys can carry teams. And I can't tell if, you know, if this is typical of, you know, some superstars path where they get there, they kind of like the, the light gets too bright because it definitely felt that about Jason Tatum. Like it felt like in, you know, that last three games of the final was just like, this is just too much for this dude. He has like no interest in willing his team to win. Yeah. I'm just thinking about, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think like, um, I think it, like a Dwight Howard fits that really well. Like he came on early, he beats LeBron's Cavs in that kind of interesting spot where they go to the finals and he do Turkolo and they had basically four out one in and just surrounded him with shooters and he never went, you know, he wins the dunk contest. We get all this hype and we, we now think he's the next greatest big man since Shaq. And we're going to have this Shaq level run but he never 
I don't believe he ever got to a finals again until much later in his career. Like he went through Houston and all those teams. And then, you know, finally until he got to the bubble with the Lakers and he won that chip that way. But now he's much more relegated to like a role player. And here's a guy that had all the physical skills, but just could never offensively put it, put it, put it down. You know, you look at guys like, like even like a Blake Griffin, right? I think I'm just trying to think of these guys that were early on. Yeah, that seems like uh, Dwight Howard specifically seems a little like centered focus. So it's hard to tell if like the league was moving. That kind of lined up, right? The the league moving away from centers and that being a skill set. And also like he he somehow made us all hate him. What was it like when he moved to the Rockets? Like he was just like, I'm I'm not leaving or like what was this weird thing? He was like, just everyone loved Dwight Howard and then we all hated him. Like it was a Tuesday we loved Dwight Howard, on Wednesday, like we all hated him. Like, it, right, right, it happened yes. so quick. Yeah, I mean, he was on, yeah, he was on the Rockets. He was on the Lakers for a, a minute. Uh, and then the Hawks. I think that Hawks, he was there for like a day and then got bounced around to the Hornets. Oh, or the weird. Hornets, I think that's what it was. There was a really Yeah, I think there was something time. weird about his trade, right? Like, yeah, I, I think he, he was like, I'll never leave the Magic or something. Or like, I'll never leave the Rockets. And then he just like kind of packed his bags and left. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was there. He was in L.A. for a season and then bounced immediately to Houston. Got shipped out of there. Kobe hated him. Right. Um, mm. Then we, 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 the three years in Houston, Atlanta, Charlotte, then he was with the Washington wizards for nine games and back to Lakers, Philadelphia Lakers again. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely like, once we kind of hit that Houston level, that LA Houston level, it was like, all right, this guy, he fucking stinks and we don't like him. And his, his shtick wore thin, you know what I mean? He was very much like, yeah, you could just tell, this is this is why sports is so great is we can instantly tell like this guy fucking loves the adulation and loves the like uh the perks that come with being an athlete but isn't really committed to the game as much as we as we would like him to be you know what i mean or or doesn't really it's a big reason why we knocked anthony davis right because he's like i haven't touched a basketball since like the the off season it's like oh jesus dude (laughs) you know with like pride it's just like yeah, yeah. it's just like what you're yeah it's so weird when you're not all in on that it's just like you're just not paying attention to just like this is not we should we should do that we should we should power rank our top 50 nba players build it we got the summer we got this to is, do it this is this is, yes we do this feels like a good episode a good full-on thick yeah. episode um but yeah i mean like right. i'm just trying to think of guys like early hype guys that came out and just didn't really like really is well, does it feel different yeah is is there like I, like because you get what i'm saying right the team mm-hmm. booker thing like were there dudes like that we're just like almost oh, gonna take the step and then it kind of never happens yeah i mean I'm, I'm just looking through like the draft i mean you know in in years kind of since then i mean we've, we've definitely like there's definitely like a uh you know like a, a you know it's, a, what it is like it should be the list of like number ones that fell short Right. Like we're just like, this is going to be a one. And then it never quite happened. Right. Well, that's the thing is, is like, do we put like a Kevin Love on that list? Right. To think about all the years in, in um, Minnesota yeah. where he was just dominant for the longest time or like, you know, uh, and then, you know, has to go to the Cavs and, you know, obviously traded for, for Wiggins. They traded Wiggins for him, which is always a, an interesting sliding doors NBA moment. Um, yeah, but he, he teams up with LeBron and he's kind of that, that second fiddle to LeBron with Kyrie. So even like that third, third banana almost, you know, um, 
and it's hard to it's hard to like look at some of those guys you know Derek Rose won an MVP and then just got hurt and then it was never kind of the same thereafter um you know Harden I don't know would you I don't know if you would put John Wall in that category as well too like John Wall was really good. Just I mean, yeah, no, I think John Wall is a great example because John Wall's literally making us put us put him in that category. Right. <laughs> like he is, like is is John Wall? John Wall's the worst contract in the history of the NBA. He's he's Correct? well, he's yeah, he's a bad, he's about as bad as it gets right now. Uh, Chris Paul and uh, Westbrook are are kind of all on that on that same thing. But I, I would say Wall's the worst one right now because he's the youngest of the three, and he's out. I think it's like forty eight million bucks this year. Not, something like that that's in 10 and not even you're not even going to taste the playoffs that's insane. yeah 40 44 um, right, 44 so, million this year 44 player option 47 and 22 23 damn that's a lot and how, of many play, how many playoffs games does he has under his belt like nine uh oof. I think you're. I think you're pretty glad. I think that's a pretty good guess my man uh he's got <laughs> yeah yeah, seven, seven games in, in fucking <laughs> seven series. Wait, yeah, yeah, seven, seven games total in playoffs. Oof. 2014. Wow. Oh, wait, um, no, no, okay, he's got so seven get... series. I'm sorry, I take that back. He's got seven series. So he's probably got oh, more than oh, seven. Got... Series. Oh, okay. Yeah, but still, oh, yeah. So the last one what? coming in from 2014 to 2018. That was that was John Wall's first, uh, you know, foray. Only made it to the Eastern Conference semis three times. Uh, yeah, John Wall. John Wall's okay. the John Wall's the. Best um, yeah, it's pretty good. Game seven of the finals. I'll give you three choices. I want you to rank these three guys on how you want to start them as the number one on the floor. Jason Tatum, Booker, Jimmy Butler. Who do you want in game seven? Who do I want in Game Seven? Oof. It's the best kind of floor, yeah, for your squad, obviously. Man, at Game Seven, I think to start, ooh, I I think you go Jimmy Butler just because. Right, I was wondering if you do this. That's why I wanted to pose this question. I think so. Like I just like he just has that. Let's go at it. Like he's never checked out of the games. He's he's disappearing some games, like not doing it, but like you know he's participating. Well, yeah, it's yeah. like these other guys are just kind of like can kind of fade in the background a little too much. Yep. Yeah. I would say, I would say Jimmy Butler one, Jason Tatum two, Booker three. Cause Booker gets, you want to talk about non existent. Uh, Booker in that series where they lost to the, um, the, <laughs> the Mavs was like, he was fucking MIA in that series. He was about as quiet as it gets. You think that makes a, player completely disappear is it nerves or do, do we just like we see it like that just because it's on that big of a stage or like are they literally disappearing i think yeah i don't know yeah i don't know is it like you know marty mcfly in the picture with his sister's brother like he's literally like <laughs> disappearing into the right background. after i said literally disappearing i was just like i didn't want to say literally disappearing <laughs> i don't think they're literally really transparent. yeah i think i i just think I, I, you know, it's one of those things. It sounds so cliche to be like, well, it's heart and like, you know, gameness. Sure. No, but it kind of, yeah. it kind of really is. It's in those moments. Like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to call any NBA player for not being competitive. 
because they all have to be like somewhat competitive to get in there. But then when you get in this Uber pool, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Once you get into this like Uber pool of like 400 of them, the most competitive like alpha dudes that are there, there's only a certain percentage of them that are going to reach that like, you know, 0.01% of like the best of the best. And some of those guys, don't have it they don't have it we see it in in all walks of life and i don't think booker has that i don't think he has the ability to like conjure up and be like all right fuck it i'm not going to give up like i'm just going to keep shooting i think he i think his spirit gets you know wilted a little bit and he fades into the background and it's like all right well we'll get him next time and i think you know the guys like lebron kobe all those guys are like no it's not next time it's now like we got to do it now jimmy butler is the same way Okay, the next time. Okay, that's good. Because you think as the media, we're fucking it up. Like, are we annoying these guys too much? Because, I mean, let's call it Space Spade. Like, it felt like Jason Tatum was acting like he had arrived and he hadn't won anything. Like, all this Kobe stuff. I know we talked about it before. I'm going to talk that yeah. on the ground. But it's just like, he presented himself as at that level. And it's just like, you can lose basketball games. You can lose a series. But, like, I didn't see any growth from Jason Tatum. Like, this seems very, like, plateau and even the attitude like i don't know like i don't hear that story about like shooting free throws like you know two hours before like game seven happened like i, I needed like a little taste of that like a little like the kobe aspect of just like you know the the, the picture from like the sidelines with the gym's empty and him going like something like that I, I didn't get any of it so it seemed like he wanted the narrative before actually like the work was there is that fair I think it's fair. Yeah. I mean, cause that's, that's what we got like served to us pretty quickly without sort of any kind of. And him talking, we, we didn't have to, yeah, we didn't act, extrapolate that. He was giving that to us, like by wearing yes. the purple, like armband and everything. Like he was delivering that to us. It was just like, man, to, and I know he wasn't saying like I'm the next Kobe, but he kind of pitched himself as like the Kobe anointed. So it's just like, I needed to see a little bit more, Kobe-ness, I guess, yeah. in games. Like, I want to see that. I want to see fight. I want to see, like, not... Wow. I want to see, like, all right, you know, I'm calling everybody out. Give me the ball. Get out of the way. And I'm, I'm going to take it. Whether And that's the thing that we we love. That's why we put Butler is, is, like, Butler's going to go and good take that shot. Huh? There's order, by the way. There's good order, by the way. Ranking. Yeah, Thank you. It, it's... Butler's going to take that shot. He's going to pull up and shoot that three. And if he misses, he's going to, he's not going to worry about the consequences thereafter. I think with some of those other guys, if they miss, they're worried about like the, Oh shit, what happens if I fail this team? And we we've known, we've known that those guys, they need to be those guys to be like, I don't care. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to take the shot. And if I win great, if I don't, then, you know, then I'll just get them next time and I will win next time. I'm not going to stop doing it. And I think that that's the, the wilting under pressure with like Booker, you know, I always think about like Kobe in those moments, even though it was an all-star game, very much like remember like Kobe understanding the moment going against LeBron early on. And it was one of the things that Co or LeBron early kind of got like knocked on was like he he was such the facilitator. He was never going to like take the final shot. And here in this all-star game, we had Kobe defending LeBron and he was begging him to take the shot and LeBron passed. Yes. It was the smart basketball decision and smart basketball move, 
but even LeBron at certain points was like, no, I don't know if I necessarily like I'm cool with the criticism of missing the shot. And I think he's since un like tethered himself from that, you know, that philosophy and now is totally comfortable in anything that he does. And I think still some maybe young guys are still kind of tethered to the what happens. I've got so much riding personally on if I if I make this shot. So if I just pass or maybe I just kind of up and down the floor a few times without asserting myself, maybe I don't have as much to lose. But ultimately, as we sit here, it's the most to lose. That's the most way to, to lose everything. So it was in an all-star game and it was coming down is like LeBron has the ball to win and Kobe's like barking at him, like to take yes. the shot. Kind he's like coming at him. Yeah. He's like, come on, let's do this. He <laughs> Love, totally oh my God. Oh. Kobe had oh, such so the sense of the moment of like, yes, this is it. This is what everyone paid for. And then he yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. like threw it yeah. cross court yeah. to a corner yeah. three. And LeBron was like, or Kobe was like, what the, f-? like, come on, dude. Like I'll have to find that clip. It's a great clip. That's really good. That's really good. Um, okay. Let's rank our top six real fast. So we ranked our top six through two games through four and I'll rank them through six when it finished. Um, so, good to go. uh, so can you recap your from after game four through game four? Yeah. Um, I had Steph Curry, uh, Jalen yeah. Brown, Jason Tatum, Wiggins, Marcus smart, and then Robert Williams. Cause we had, we had right. basically four of the top six. Yeah, we we're pretty close. Mine was something around there. Um, yeah. All right, so number one is Steph Curry, obviously. That's a great performance. Finally got his finals MVP. But do you feel like he deserved one earlier? Um, well, the only one, yeah, the the first one Iguodala? in question was the Iguodala one. Yeah, that one yeah. was the was one that really kind of like it's the it's the Tony Parker like Tim Duncan Spurs <laughs> yeah. one. It's like we all know who the best player on that team was. Right. Yeah. It almost feels like you're intentionally not giving, <laughs> giving this stuff courage. Yeah. Like, it's uh, weird. Why are you not doing this? Uh, so Steph Curry's our one spot. Who's your two? Mine might surprise you. Who do you got? Uh, I still have Jason, Jalen Brown. Um, I still think he's number two, but it's a real tight two, three, four in here. You could, you yeah, could... okay. So I got Brown in my three spot. I got Andrew Wiggins as two. Yeah. It makes sense. The last that, two I... games were huge for him. Yeah, and it's also like he didn't win the series, but definitely sped it up. Like his performance, I'm not saying like the Warriors would have lost it without him, but he definitely, you know, put it in the realm of keeping it six games. Because there's sometimes, you know, his his minute versus productivity on the floor, like we haven't seen Wiggins be like this. And everyone, everyone thought it's going to be what Wiggins was going to be, you know, three years after he left KU. And now like we really see him as just like, oh, this is, he's playing his best basketball right now. And he's a really good basketball player. So this right. is too, the timing is great and the seat is great. Yeah. You know what? That's, that's, I like, that's a great way of framing it is, is he sped the series up, which means he like, yes, the, the Warriors could have still won it possibly, but he, he accelerated moments like the fourth quarter of game five was, was huge for Wiggins, even the second half, you know, and I think his just overall activity level was was huge average led the team in rebounds at 8.8 so basically nine rebounds i mean for a guy that i think career is like right around four rebounds i mean that's a huge you know kind of increase in activity um but i think his yeah i mean he had 18 points in game six um 
you know, five, five boards or six boards, five assists, four steals, three blocks. Actually, yeah, you're right. Pretty good closeout game for game six. So I, I didn't want to discount Jalen Brown because I, because J- Jalen Brown had 34 sure. points in that, in that game as well too. And was like the lone star. Cause I had Wiggins at three, Jalen Brown at two. So we basically just, so we just swap those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're good. So what's yeah. your four spot Four is Jason Tatum. Four, and this dropped off my list last time. I get Jalen Green the four spot, and and here's why. Uh, so I do have Jason Tatum at five, which is okay. kind of feels a little unfair. But like I just I like the fact is like he was benched in that game. What was game four that he was benched in the fourth quarter? Uh, uh, I thought it was game. Five. Was it five or four? About it, yeah. I think it's four because we talked about it. Yeah. yeah. So it was game four. So being able to be not that let that destroy your ego and show up with like was pretty close to a triple double. Yeah. Like in game six. Like he really just like still the confidence was there, like pulled the trigger. So it's I people that are built like that, which is which is why you know about the fact that he didn't he didn't like just accept the fact it was kind of over for him. He was going to pasture, like still able to when everyone's just like, Oh, it's kind of Green's like for him to still show up and give like a, a performance to close out the series. Yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point. What you're saying is, is that he he could have like packed it up, but you know, to his credit, kind of heart of a a champion, literally wasn't afraid to go down. And even yeah. game even game five wasn't a terrible game for him either, right? He had you know he fouled out, but he had six assists, yeah. seven boards, eight points. He wasn't afraid to kind of get get to the basket he kept pushing it's interesting i think i was i think i was just discrediting draymond for his poor you know games one through three basically that i wasn't giving him enough credit yeah. for the rebound which is but, which but you, you're which you don't but, see yeah you're you're a draymond lover like you put it out to me like the just what he facilitates like yes it's it's you know it's cliche to say all this stuff but the stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet what draymond does for that team like it's just his knowledge of basketball he's a he is a basketball genius and as much as he um as much as he's kind of like bombastic on the court and you really like hate to see a lot of that is but he truly understands the game of basketball and like I mean, he's a fucking winner. He's just a winner. He knows how to play the game of basketball and he knows the right moments to get the momentum swinging. And I mean, he does a lot of little things for that team that allow Steph and Clay and, and, and Wiggins and pool and all those guys, like he understands that. Plus I think, man, I guarantee you he's keeping that fucking locker room in check for sure. You know what I mean? Like, he is the irrational confidence guy that's not going to fucking back down from anyone or anything. Not afraid of a T. T me not up. A, not afraid. Did he get no, one in the not, finals? Did he detect Uh, yeah. I know. Uh, game right. game two when he had that like when they when they had um. Oh like, yeah, when he was like he was staring at the ref or whatever yeah and like jalen brown and him i think got a t in that or that that game too remember when oh, okay. he pulled down jalen brown and hit that he was close to getting a second technical in that game but yeah he got a t i wonder was how long i wonder what the longest stretch of like non-technicals jay <laughs> draymond brain is gone brown is good what the fuck is his name draymond green jesus draymond green yeah yes thank you Doing a little um, yet. 
Uh, who's okay? So uh, give us your top five real fast, and then we'll go to your six. Uh, I had Curry, Brown, Wiggins, Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. and then uh, I had one, two, three, four. Then um, Marcus Smart at five. Marcus Smart. Okay, and who's your sixth? Uh, Robert Williams. So Robert I totally love, Williams. I, I, yeah, I love Robert Williams. I think he's fucking great. Like, I think he, I think that they needed to figure out a, a fucking, a better way for, um, for them to, to utilize Robert Williams. But I, I just think he was great for the, what he did in that series for the, for the, uh, for the Celtics. Maybe I'm valuing him too high. Cause I just like, I like him. No, that's good. And yeah, Clay Thompson wasn't consistent enough to get on your board, right? I don't. I have a problem with, we're, and we're going to move on to most awesome, how awesome, top five. But there's something about Clay Thompson's attitude I don't like. Is it because he like set out like a year and a half? Yeah, well, it's, like, it started just... with the the all-time 75 team coming out there. and Ah, uh, that's what it is. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yep. That's what, that's actually, I couldn't connect it. That's what's in my brain. The fact that he was belly ached, he didn't make that list. Yeah, Valiakti didn't make that list. Then post championship, continued on like fucking calling out uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. for right. saying something about strength and numbers, which is such a weird like like chippy thing to get after a team that you beat in the conference semis. You know what I mean? Like it's just a weird thing to hold on to in your in your title run. Like that's the thing you're gonna. Yes, you know. a little bit anti, like, act like you've been there before. Like, it yes. just kind of doesn't feel. And what did he shoot? What was the shooting percentage behind the arc for the finals? Like, oh, 30%? Three-pointers? I mean, yeah, he was, it wasn't great. You know, and I get it. He's missed basically two seasons yeah. of basketball. Uh, yeah. He was shooting, yeah, 35% from three. Okay, that's, not, that's, that's not bad. Not, not bad, but not what we expect from Clay. You know what I mean? I mean, Jordan. Well, I see. Here's what it is like. Yeah, we expected Clay to go in as the number two guy on this team, yeah. and he was a quiet like three B because I almost like three C because I always do like Steph Wiggins, and then like I do the Green. Uh, it'd be a little too much to give Pool like so three and three B. I would give the Draymond Green and Clay Thompson. Yeah, I mean, I think Jordan Poole defensively was a little bit more was was is a little bit more of a liability than than Clay Thompson. Clay had a couple good moments defensively, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it wasn't what we expected, and we do kind of wonder. He's thirty one years old, Clay Thompson. It's like, all right, you missed two seasons. I get it. You, you that's that's got to be a bitter pill to swallow. But you're back here, so I'm very interested to see like what his next year is going to look like right because you had the achilles the knee tear the achilles tear you know that's that's really a lot of you know work and rehab to come back um i wonder what next year looks like for clay thompson like does he get closer to the splash brother that we saw or is he not relegated to like um you know a guy in february who's going to get you win because he heats up for for 36 but we don't see it you know, we don't see it on a regular basis. He's got these kind of like blips of like, oh, that's old clay. But by and large, he's going to go for like 15 a night and knock down a couple threes and, you know, you know, be a very, uh, you know, kind of uh, third, third tier player. 
What does three and D mean? It just means you shoot a three pointer and then you play defense. Yep. Yeah. It's in like an interchangeable wing player who can shoot the three. So offensively in the, now the, the modern era of basketball, you're, you're not a liability on that end. Cause you can spot up, wait for creation creation. And if the ball gets rotated, you can shoot, shoot the three and knock it down. But then defensively, you know, this is somebody that you can, you can deploy and put on some of the best, better scorers on the other side of the thing, you know? So it's like, yeah, what we talked about a couple episodes, they're not afraid to use the legs because yep. they can on the offensive end. Okay. The other end. Great. Yep. Um, all right. New segment. Most awesome. How awesome. All right. Most awesome. How awesome. Top five NBA coaches. Okay. So new segment. The reason we're firing this up is you mm. sent me something that usually I see eye to eye and you're a little better. So I usually just, I defer to you. How to disagree on this. It's Steve, Steve Kerr and your top five coaches. All time. No. All time. Maybe could no. Okay. It'd be interesting to see where he landed. Um, so let's talk about Kerr. Then we'll do the list. Uh-huh. What do you feel that leaves Kerr outside and where is he? actually. So maybe if you're like six, it's not that dramatic, but you don't feel like what he put together is all that not, not impressive, but not impressive for top five. Not, I mean, look, he's got four titles. So like, if you're, if you're looking at that, like ranking that puts him at number five, just in titles. Well, I mean, unless okay. you're, if you're, if you're removing like John Kundla from like the self or not the, Celtics. I think we all are. Yes. We yeah, all exactly. Do. Right. The, the mini, the, the Minneapolis <laughs> Lakers way back in the, like yes, 50s this podcast is for people that have been born in the last 70 years. Exactly, so, yes. exactly. Um, but no, I mean, I here's here's the thing, and I'll, I'll just give a, a little bit of a stump speech on Kerr. I get it. Like, people love him. Uh, the media loves him. And I think that's where we're at a little bit with the history of now and what we see with, like, Steve Kerr. Oh, so, so you think, like, the good, the good hang presence? I think good hang presence. Yeah. Yeah. Probably plays the media game pretty well. Was a member of the media for a little while too. You know what I mean? Um, So with, with Kerr, you know, let's, let's take a look. Right. So he takes over for uh, Mark Jackson, who now, you know, broadcasts all these games, which has got to be a weird fucking bitter pill for Mark Jackson this fall (laughs) takes over for Mark Jackson. You know, the, they were a 50 win team before he took them over made it out of the first round once lost that, that year to the Clippers in a game seven. Then Steve Kerr comes in there and brings, you know, kind of elements of Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich, two of my top five coaches of all time, by the way. Um, And then, Oh, and then literally explodes in kind of like, you know, it's hard to dock a guy like Kerr, but you do want you do kind of wonder is the momentum of the, the warriors at that moment in time, along mixed with, the way that the league offensively was was playing basketball and just kind of having these two like unbelievable shooters and really kind of learning and understanding all right let's let's increase the the three point output here they go and they steal one in 2014 kind of unexpected um, but it makes sense that this team is rising toward the path of uh, of of you know potentially being a really good basketball club uh, Draymond Green, who they got in the second round, you know, kind of ascends up that ladder a little bit. Then he goes and has back surgery in that 73 win team, which Luke Walton was the coach for the first half of the year. He went like 39 and four that year. And if you wonder like how much of a coach's impact has on that team, look at co- look, look at Luke Walton's career thereafter. 
our, our joie de Vivek, this, our Kings fan would probably tell you that uh, having Luke Walton wasn't the greatest coach during that time. So was this, that's my thing is, is I think this team was just poised to go on an unbelievable run and I don't want to discount what Kerr did, but we can't also give him all the credit in the world. Go there, go, they've, face the Cavs again, up 3-1 against the Cavs, drop that series. LeBron takes over, wins the chip for Cleveland. Unbelievable story, but he fucking dropped a 3-1 lead in the finals on a 73-win team, the, the best record of all time. Then we get a unique cap spike, and because of their deal with uh, with Steph Curley early, got a really, really cheap extension on him. We get KD, Kevin Durant in there. And now we literally have, you know, this run for three years where we've got two MVPs, two league MVPs on the same team, a defensive player in the year. And as Clay would say, I should have been a top 75 player all time on this ring. There's never been a more loaded <laughs> roster. The 76th player of all time. Yeah. The 76th player. player of, exactly. <laughs> there couldn't have been a better fucking roster to take over. They're dominant. They run through back-to-back titles. They 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 fucking dominate. They're do- they dominate, and then it all falls apart. in year three. Now, granted, we we lost. We had injuries. You know, losing Steph or losing uh, Clay and losing KD. Those were huge injuries. But also, too, if we we can't also forget that that fucking locker room got sullied between Draymond and KD in that year. In that year three. You know, something that we always like kind of hold against Phil Jackson is, is the, you know, the the falling apart of the last, you know, Bulls dynasty and with the Lakers and Steph and Kobe, you know, those guys had long term runs and fucking, you know, we had this three year window and we couldn't keep it on the rails for, you know, a third, a third year. Um, go ahead. Did, so how many chips has Curry won without Kevin Durant? Is it two? It's two now, yeah. Or three? Two now. Two now. Okay. Yep. So he yep. just he just had the one. Yep. Iguodala gets the the Finals MVP from that. Then Kevin Durant's. I, it's, it's weird. I, I felt like Kevin Durant's stay there was so much shorter. So Durant was there for three years, and he wins his second and third year. Yep. Is that right? Uh, first okay, and yeah. second. First and second. First and second. Okay. Yep. Oh uh, yeah, because oh, you guys had Achilles injury. Yeah, yeah. Then the third year they lose to the Raptors, <clears throat> um, and so then it's like you know, then we've got you know Clay, we lose Clay, you know Steph, we lose Steph, and then we're a 15 win team. I don't, and none of these guys on my top five has ever fucking tanked a season. And I get it, it's the nature right. of the beast. We're That's kind fair. of playing what it is, but we did fucking right. tank. We did tank, and. Um, even pop in those bad, those kind of yeah. Let's off- okay, so give us your give us your top two because it gets interesting. Not going to reverse because it's more interesting. Like how you have like three through five, then it's one and two. Who do yeah. you want to do? One until uh, one and two. Phil Jackson, eleven titles. Yeah, fucking goat, greatest of all time. Um, yeah. Also brings the different like energy, not the like shout out you energy, like just zen. Yep. He set up like he like, never calls the timeouts and stuff, just like brought a completely different attitude. Yeah, totally different energy. Um, you know, one as a player, one as uh, you know, a coach and had a, a unique philosophy. And, and you know, 
a lot of the ability to manage big personalities and big kind of egos and energies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like one of the one of the best. It's like out. yeah, it, you're totally right. Like if you haven't watched the Last Dance, just seeing how he handled like Dennis Rodman, you know, like you can't lose your mind. But it sounded like super frustrating. Yeah. But still, him being like he's not here. Yeah. Like and also like what is is he supposed to? bench him for a game it's like i still like we still need to win I don't know, it's it's really an interesting situation yeah yeah right it's, it's just a master of like understanding and and because that's the thing is, is i think phil will always get a little bit of like a downgrade in some people's minds because they're like oh we had jordan and kobe and Shaq, and i was like that's a much yeah. more challenging thing to do <laughs> yeah, than right. people yeah. realize you know what i mean um yeah like I, coaching a team where kobe and Shaq's not getting along is <laughs> it's Pretty insane. That's a yeah, left. That's a left insane. in that locker room is just like. Yeah. So did he? Do you know the story? Like, did he make the choice between Kobe and Shaq? Like when they had to trade one away, was he just like, "We should keep Kobe"? Um, I think I don't know if he did make the choice on that or not. I don't. I don't know this the full story behind it. I think ultimately they understood like the direction of the league, and and Shaq was a little bit more of a. You know, he was on the he was on the latter half of his career as well too, and and guards and forwards play a lot longer um, than than centers do if they don't keep their body right. And Shaq had a ton of those, you know, moments during the you know I got hurt on company time, so I'm going to rehab on company time. So, you know, Shaq yeah, the Pippen <laughs> angle, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you know, so there, the, you know, I think it was in the right move. Then they got Paul Gasol, and one continued after after that. You know, uh, early on, it looked like a little bit of like that, you know, Brady Belichick thing where they ship Shaq to uh, Miami. They steal that, you know, they steal that title down there from Dallas. Um, but ultimately, I think it, it proved the right move with Kobe and Pau Gasol and, and the, the second act after that. Yeah, and it's I, like, would you, would you would you take three more like two years from now as opposed to like one next year? Yeah, exactly. Um, then my number two, I've still got to go with Red Arbach. I'm kind of the grandfather of the NBA, really kind of understood, obviously, nine titles, um, 938 wins, benefited huge from the way that the league was originated, but had unbelievable foresight as a general manager and understanding like, you know, drafting Larry Bird was like a stroke of fucking genius and understood that like the culture and like how to create a legacy and how to keep those guys hungry, um, you know, to, to keep winning titles. Um, That's good. Like, so define, uh, let's do this real fast. So define each coach by like three or four words, like what makes Phil Jackson unique? What makes Arbach unique? Like, what would you say? Like, like, I, I feel like for uh, Phil Jackson's like Zen master or something like that. Like, what's just kind of yeah, like, Zen master. You know, if they had to have a logo, logo on the back of their t-shirt what would it be yeah right right yeah uh phil jackson would be like some like some zen master like hippie you know uh, guru <laughs> kind of like shaman right yeah peace sign arbok slogan or phrase what would it be he's a victory cigar human victory cigar right he's the guy that at the end of the bench starts lighting up a cigar courtside you know he is he's literally the victory cigar that's his whole that's his whole logo okay so what, what, what would be like what was this coaching style that made him unique or successful like well he understood he understood the star right he understood you know he had the bill russell rule which is a great rule which is 
you know, all the guys are on the team are running wind sprints and Bill Russell's up in the stands drinking coffee and reading the paper and guys are kind of bitching. I was like, well, why, why do we have to run? And Bill's up there and Red Arbuck simply turned and said, cause he's fucking Bill Russell. That's why and it's like, <laughs> he's the star. He's the guy that's going to get it. So if he wants to go up there and drink coffee, I know he's going to be ready, but you guys, I have to coach. Um, but he also did interesting things. Like he, you know, he, he kept those guys like really hungry and, and, you know, little on the, he, he hooked a lot of their, their bonus pay to the playoffs, which is something you could never do today. So, Ooh. you know, he, um, I like that. He really kind of dangled the carrot in a very monetary sense when the NBA wasn't making a ton of money, but he paid him out on the, on the back end. Um, then my number three, I could, you could really flip flop this because I don't know what do you value more is like longevity in one spot or the ability to recreate, you know, multiple championship runs at another spot. So I, I value, I always value the, like the creation of it a little more than learning and then applying it somewhere else. So I'm going to go Popovich at three. Mm -hmm. Popovich was a GM in San Antonio, then kind of then took over as a head coach, was head coach GM early on in that kind of early Spurs dynasty run, then gave the reins to RC Buford, just became the coach thereafter and had this incredible stretch of winning titles, you know, five titles, continuing to win over a long period of time, way different than we had seen kind of like the stretch of title runs before. And then I go with my number four. Then I go Pat Riley. Pat Riley is a guy who was an assistant coach on the Lakers, learned, you know, kind of the winning kind of mentality with the Lakers. They won a title. Then he takes over as head coach. Then they win uh, four more there as a Laker head coach, kind of those epic Boston Laker battles. Um, goes to the Knicks, carries them on as an eight seed run to get to the finals only to lose uh, to Houston, the Rockets there, and then goes back to Miami and creates this winning culture in Miami, winning a title with uh, Shaq and Dwayne Wade early on before, you know, the next run and turning it over to Eric Spolstra and, you know, he's still the GM now. So um, those guys are so close in, in, in proximity to each other, but I, I will give a little bit of credit to, you know, Popovich for basically kind of like learning and figuring it out on his own on how to be like a championship team um, that I give a slight edge to, to that. Yeah. It's want- interesting too, like seeing Popovich um, just be able to handle like all the, I, it's just as like an interesting, like collective, like it's probably the quietest superstar ever, right? And Duncan, Duncan's almost not considered a superstar. Like I think he's gonna get lost a little bit in time just because of like his. I'm not saying his personality wasn't there, but it, like it wasn't important to him to be a personality. Like he was right. just like facilitating. He was, and he so played cool. in like one of the smallest market teams in San Antonio. Yeah. You know what I mean? Stayed. He could have gone. He could have had. He could have left many, many times in free agency if he wanted. There would have been teams that would have, you know brokered whatever they needed to do in order to get him paid but he understood like you know san antonio was a good spot he's got a great coach you know they drafted manny ginobili tony parker i mean guys that they were like all right manny ginobili was like the 58th pick or something like that he was like the second or third to last pick out of argentina um 
they really he really and here's the other thing that i love about popovich is popovich was the first like load management guy he was like look like and he and it, and it got him to it got him to win a title he saw it's like why are we wasting our guys's legs in you know uh you know four games in five days stretch here in february we'll take a couple l's early on but ultimately with the the way our guys can play we'll have a little bit more uh less wear and tear in our bodies come you know may june yeah. and that's when we want it yeah give me more spring like let my guys like really play like, yeah get there and bring around that Kawhi makes- leonard too you know what i mean like you would say the Spurs were a dynasty, right? Like a 15 year, 12 year dynasty. Is that a dynasty? Or are they yeah. just like around? Uh, man, you know, I know, I know uh, Simmons has an interesting like take on this. I, I don't really, I don't really agree. Well, they rip our podcast all the time. So feel free. Yeah. I, well, I don't, I don't remember <laughs> it. So I don't really care. But yeah, I mean, first title is in 98, 99, which is that strike season where they really kind of like snuck in there. But that, that was all just like a, just a confluence of events that really kind of worked out well for them to get Tim Duncan and, and, and then, then on the strike season, but that, so that was 98. Then their last title was in 2013, 14 right there. So yeah, I mean, 15 years running, you know, consistently, you know, 50, 60 game wins during that whole time, uh, or at least on percentage wise, you know, for that, that first run, there was only 50 games. I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd have to consider it a dynasty, right? I mean, just longevity itself is a fucking, is a, is a hallmark of a dynasty, right? Just continuing to be there year after year, not, not always winning all the time, but fuck, I mean, wh- if that's not a dynasty, I don't know what a dynasty is then. Do we just need a short burst of winning all the time? And then that's that. I mean, how are you defining it in the NBA? Yeah, it looks like that. Uh, did you get what's your five spot? Did you give that to us? No, I haven't given it to you. Okay. I don't. I think people are going to dis- disagree. Oh, yeah, because this is where people want to put Kerr right now. <laughs> this is where people want to put Kerr. Yes, exactly. And it's yeah. bullshit. And and yeah. we're discounting fucking Chuck Daly of my Detroit Pistons, Ooh. rich and era of the Bad Boys Pistons, right? Because we only think about the back to back titles. Yeah. The reason Steph gets a lot of love and Kerr gets a lot of love because they change the game of basketball. Like kids are shooting five feet behind the three-point line right now because of that. But it's also like the Detroit Pistons created a new style of basketball. It's just like if you go in the lane, we're gonna hurt you. What is it? What is it about? Like, uh, give us your pitch for your number five spot. First off, from 86, 1986 to nineteen ninety-one. They reached the conference finals every year. Three of those times they went on and advanced. We came the closest to a real three-peat without like a, you know, a, a true superstar, I, I, Isaiah Thomas. But I mean, I, I think Isaiah Thomas has gotten a lot of flack thereafter. But that that first run before the 89-90-90 uh, title run back-to-back, they took the Lakers to a seven-game series and probably should have won that game Sands fucking Isaiah Thomas rolling his ankle in game six, which if you want to go back is one of the guttiest fucking performances uh, that has ever, ever happened on a basketball floor. Fucking Isaiah Thomas rolls his ankle against Michael Cooper and is literally like running on one fucking leg, knocking down jumpers, floaters in the lane in an era where you got fucking pushed around and got the shit kicked out of you. Watch those fucking highlights. It's unreal to watch Isaiah Thomas in that. They took him to a game seven. 
They lose in game seven um, with Thomas still hobbled on, on his ankle injury. Um, and it was a fucking close game. It was a really close game to it, but you know, we don't, we don't give the Pistons kind of this, like, all right, they came out of nothing. They held off the bulls as long as they could. They took the mantle from the fucking Celtics, a, you know, truly dominant presence right there and went up against the best, you know, Lakers team that they, that, that they had to offer, you know, beat the trailblazers and then came back and, you know, and beat the, uh, the Lakers again. I mean, this is a team that was as good as it got. He was also the fucking dream team coach. Everyone tends to forget about that. So if you want to think about how great Chuck Daly was when it came down to the assembly of who's the greatest, you know, coach to create the greatest coach, the greatest team ever, uh, they went to Chuck Daly, big daddy, Chuck Daly, number five, get the fuck out of here with (laughs) Steve Kerr. Nice. (laughs) Give me your one through five real fast. Fire it off. Go Phil, Red Arbach, Greg Popovich, Pat Riley, Chuck Daly. And I've got, I, this is where I could put, you could make an argument for Steve Kerr. Cause I kind of put an asterisk on two of those four titles. You could put Kerr at six, or you could also put Casey Jones, which is very similar to fucking the way uh, Steve Kerr did is, is Casey Jones for the Celtics in the eighties took over for a very good Boston Celtics team. Bill Fitch had already won a title. The team was there and Casey Jones came in there for a 10 year stretch, kind of managed, held the reins, kept that team together and really steered them to two titles. Probably could have been more, but the eighties was uh, super competitive back then. All right. You guys take shoots an email. It may be sports podcast at gmail.com. We'll read your top five NBA coaches of all time on this air. Yeah, you got it. We'll read it. Sit it. That's right. All right. New apology stood up. Race the jam. So let's leave it alone Cause we can't see eye to eye There ain't no good guy There ain't no bad guy There's only you and me And we just disagree Alright, Nia Showdown Top Fictional lawyers, you thought of this because you're a genius. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Um, so my number three, I this is an underrated movie. I don't think we. I, I would say this: if if you were ever gonna block me, it would be here. Yes. Like the number one block is on the table. Is like, yeah, tis on three. the table. <laughs> my number two, my number three. I do like this movie. I think it's underrated. And I, and I was almost thinking like, man, we really should go back and get it because of how good Ed Norton is in this movie. But I'm going Ooh, Marty Vale, Richard Gere. Yeah. Time of Fear. This yeah. And he's a fucking really good lawyer in this. He's, he's, he's lawyering his ass off in this movie. He does. Yeah. He, he thunders away at him, but he's kind of supposed to. Which, you know what, is really interesting because he feels like he's a really good lawyer because he made a break. But then we learn that, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this 20-year-old movie, take a peek. But uh, the fact that he's acting the entire time, like yep. Edward Norton, just played him like a fiddle. Yeah. It's a good lawyer. Good, good lawyer. lawyer. Good lawyer. Uh, you know what we should say? We should say the character's name and see if the other person knows what movie it is. My three spot, Jake Bergantz. Jake Brubeck Ants, A Time to Kill, Matthew McConaughey. A Time to Kill, buddy. Yes. Everyone's fucking shiny as hell. 
we broke out the oil. <laughs> Everyone's just looking reflective AF. But uh, yeah, we got, you know, it's, um, uh, yeah, it's takes on the Samuel L. Jackson case. Can't afford it. So white man in the South, just trying to justify what this guy did. Like hasn't closed the guys at the end. Like one of the greatest, just kind of like closing argument sign, closing, closing argument, like just moments ever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that lives in like acting folklore that, that speech too. Cause he gave that whole speech in one take. Right. Isn't that the, Oh, he did. Oh, yeah, is that, that a thing? I think that's, yeah, I think that's a thing. It's wow. like, go back and take a, take a look at that. I'm pretty sure that he like did that all in one take. Everyone was like super emotional on it and like, you know, hits him with the, you know, now imagine she's white and it's just like, yeah, fucking really everyone's gets so everybody sh- going. Yeah. Everyone's so shiny. I look at that DP. Um, all right, what's your spot? You know, I, I'm, I'm treating this like you're going to win it because you're going to have to use the block. I don't know what the block rules are. I don't remember, but you, you'll have to go for the block on this. Yeah. Um, and then Jake, but, Jake yeah. Brigance was on my on my console bracket because I, okay, I had good, another good. guy. I had another guy. I think partly because he was so close to this uh, a time to kill, but I think he did it ultimately a little bit better. I'll give you one Mr. Atticus Finch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Be, be, the OG, be, be. the OG fictional lawyer. Yeah, I thought about that. Uh, it's the best. I wanted to see Jeff Daniels doing it on Broadway. I didn't get to see it. I think he's done. I think. Um, I think Greg Kinnear is now doing it. Greg Kinnear, him. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The Kinnear dog. You're a big Kinnear head. Am I a Kinnear head? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. Just yeah, like, I, I did just, like I that movie. Had, Greg Kinnear is a flash of genius. The guy who made the fucking windshield wipers and then Ford stole it. <laughs> no, I did that the entire movie. Yeah, that's, that's basically like yeah a hundred minutes of someone inventing a windshield wiper and getting stolen. Ooh, oh. good good call on that one because Greg Kinnear and a flash of genius. I think was his own lawyer. I think he was just a lunatic. To, trying to defend himself and arbitrate. I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm not sure. Caso bracket. Caso bracket. Caso bracket. <laughs> Greg Kinnear. Yeah. Um, my two spot is Brad Pitt and Sleepers. I know I'm supposed to give you the character name. I didn't even look it up. Oh, but have you shit. seen Sleepers? Not in a while. I forgot that he was. I forgot that he was the lawyer. Because he's half the of lawyer. Them, yeah. Because half of them are thugs, and then yes. Brad Pitt's the lawyer. Oh, damn it. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty and good. He's, and and he's quoting fucking Count of Monte Cristo. Cristo. Yep, he's doing that. And he also he writes the prosecution script and the defensive script. So you remember Dustin Hoffman's in that's it, right. and Dustin Hoffman's like a shitty lawyer. Yeah, he's but like, an, Pitt, isn't he like, like an alcoholic writes, or something like that? Yeah, he's just not even that cool. I think he's yeah. like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just like. He writes down what the prosecutor is supposed to do, so he can. It's hard. He writes both scripts and has to lose the case on purpose, but look like he's trying. It's it's really good. Yeah, That's, it's a good. Two I have spot. to revisit. Yeah, have to, yeah, great two spot. Excellent two spot. Yeah, you should you should watch you should rewatch Sleeper. It like has, you remember it has like Robert De Niro, like Robert De Niro is a priest. Yeah, has to lie on the stand. He decides to lie on the stand. Spoiler. Yeah. Spoilers, spoilers. All the, all these movies. Yeah, Time yeah, to Kill. Watching. There's a lot of good. Uh, these are a lot yeah, of good sleepers. mad date nights. Yeah, these are very good mad date nights. Have we not done any of these? We, haven't, we have not. Have we did a courtroom drama? All we right. have not. Well, guys, 
Summer is upon us. No sports. <laughs> you have to have to get all you can handle. Um, should we just say our number ones at the same time? Do we have the Do same? We, yeah, I think they're the same. One, two, two three. three. Daniel Caffey. Daniel Caffey. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. No question. Uh, few good men. It is. I mean, it's just it's a lawyer like he is known for he's he, they try to railroad him because he's known yeah. for just plea bargaining and they don't want to embarrass like uh jessup but he wants to find the truth and Damian Moore pushes him to find the truth and decides he's gonna he wants a plea bargain before he even takes the case on decides to dig a little deeper and then decides yeah. to like try to save two kids lives which is great because their lives don't all automatically get saved they don't have time but they get dishonorably discharged so it's just like this great just like mind shaping thing about like you know they they still did something wrong and they still like oh this and it's just like everyone's trap and what they're going through is just perfectly done yeah and and even the kids the kids are so like but this is what we're supposed to do like we were given orders this is what we do like yeah yeah and can, it was, how, it, that was that was a really heartbreaking end to it as well too you know what i mean yeah. it's like well wait we didn't do anything wrong we were we did what we were told and it's 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 an interesting like look into like power and like you know yeah being like a cog in the machine right yeah it's just like where is your ability to say no because i believe like um you know they both kind of get it they both don't get at the end but the the lead actor there's a but he's just like we're supposed to protect people like willie and they they didn't do that it's just like yeah it's, it's just it's just great just reflection of you know because if you still sign up for something, like you still have kind of free will, even though, though it doesn't feel feel like free will. Because like, let's, let's look at the way the case was broken out at the end. Like, the only thing that made Jessup guilty, which is kind of the contradiction, but like what made him guilty is the fact that like they didn't prove. Like, they get all the way from the poison. All Daniel Caffey was trying to prove is that there is a system in place called Code Red, and the top guy up gave an order like it went through like you remember like no one gives a shit about the poison on the rag and that was the big debate and then right. like you know like there there wasn't like uh the guy that got on the stand which which i think is um whoever does the uh just waiting for guffman movies what's his name oh christopher guest christopher yeah, guest yeah, on the stand yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah and he's just like oh well there wasn't there wasn't toxin on the rag there no one cares. Like they were just about proving like these guys are told to do something. So it's, it's a fascinating movie. This movie yeah. is so good. It is so good. Fucking Kevin Pollack is awesome in this movie, by the way. Like let's not undersell how good Pollock is in this movie. Kevin Absolutely. Pollock is a very underrated actor. For sure. Yeah. And I love like, um, I remember seeing like the first, it was either the first or second season of project green light. And like, <laughs> he was making fun of the other, uh, I think it's, I think it's the first season. He was making fun of the other actor because, like, the other actor was, like, so method. It, it was, like, Quinn, so, something Quinn. And he's just, like, yeah, just I show up and read my lines. Like, that's what acting is. <laughs> it's just so funny. It's so good, him doing that day. Um, sweet, bro. Um, okay, well, we blocked each other. You left at mine. I had Brad Pitt, Daniel Caffey. I think if anyone was pulled in the street, does Most Awesome or Brandana love Tom Cruise more? There was a brand to me. 
That's right. I got my so, I got yeah, my yeah. list down of top five coaches. You can you can have this. That's true. Me <laughs> okay, thanks for giving me. Uh, we'll say NFL MVP uh, next week. We're already hitting our hour. hour. We're doing fine. We need all the content we can get for the summer. MVP of the week. I will give it to one Steve Kerr. I know didn't make your list, but just like that, like rewatching the Last Dance and everything, like the dude to win this championship because it really felt like. No matter which side won this championship, it really felt like it's a team together and planned as opposed to, you know, like Miami Heat some year where they're just like, oh, they're going to win the championship there. If they don't do it, it's weird. Like, it just felt like this 4C was built and coached well to win a chip. Yeah. No, I, I definitely put his first one in this one. Like, I give him all all the credit in the world for it. Like, this is a this is a good accomplishment to win. I just... You know, if he does, if he can, if if Steve Kerr continues to win, I will gladly adjust my rankings for show. Um, we get it, we get it. Yeah, uh, my MVPs. We're going. Let's you know, it's Father's Day. I'm going to shout out all the daddies out there. All the daddies oh, doing their things nice. out there. Oh yeah. my god! Sorry, I forgot, bro. Me it's not right, being bro. a dad, I totally forget about it. You know what? I changed the MVP. I can edit it. You're my MVP. Perfect. Well, see, that... I think Steve Kerr's oh, no. a dad. Steve Kerr's a dad. Okay. Well, it's the one time of year I can give you shine because people don't understand, especially me in France, how much I just drop. Like, hey, can you do the podcast for like two hours, like in the middle of your day, like in the middle of Father's Day? Oh my yeah. god, you're the MVP. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. Oh, that's all right, MVP. bro. No, you're fine. You're fine. Oh, nice. What are you guys no, doing? No worries. Uh, nothing. I'm podcasting. No, I'm just kidding. No Neglect <laughs> <laughs> your kids in podcast. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. That's one of the days where I can be like, pull out the daddy car, and be like, "Daddy's gonna go in the middle of the afternoon." Sorry. Do, do you have Jeez. a tradition? Do you, Do you like to barbecue? Do you like to go out to like have a steak? Like, what, what's the tradition? Uh, no tradition. No, no, no. I mean, just try and spend time with the with the kiddos, and you know, they usually like make me a card, which was nice, and you know, a small little Father's Day gift, and you know, spend some spend some you know QT, some quality time with them. So we'll probably go to a park. It's a beautiful day out, so we're uh, at is doing basketball camp, and so we were out there. We got yesterday. We went and bought basketball shoes and some shorts, and pra- practicing some some bounce passes and some dribbling. It's like oof. We're we we're we're uh, we're stepping into it here. Hopefully, she likes it. I'm very I'm very. Uh, you I'm want her to like it so much, don't I you? Want her you to like want her, her so to like bad. it so bad. But you're trying to like... poker face it. <laughs> so <laughs> bad. Not to be like, isn't this amazing? Is that the best I ever had? I know. I've already like squared out or like blocked out two days ne- next week where I can go to her, her practice the whole time and watch. But I'm really trying hard not to put like undue pressure uh on her and uh you know because i don't want her to like i don't want to squeeze that so hard that it just like goes out the side you know what i mean yeah so uh what what kind of shoes did she go with high tops or low tops high tops we went with basketball shoes probably spent more than i should on it but we went with uh i had her look at all of like that we went to dick's sporting goods shout out dicks and uh they had her take a look at the the, the board there of all the all the things that are there she picked these shoes that she liked under armor and she's got a nice like light blue or not light blue mm-hmm. light purple under armor shoes and they're fucking they're kind of slick for uh yeah, you know and she likes she likes them she 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 put them on outside and uh was 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 running around a little bit so passing the basketball to me so yeah i think we're, we're more stoked on the color than we were on actual basketball shoes but <laughs> you know it, it's a it baby steps whatever it takes to get her there 
All right. In hindsight, the winner of the Neapolitan Showdown will be most awesome. Uh, My MVP of the week, most awesome. Uh, I met Steve Kerr. So much cool than Kerr. Really cool Kerr. I am Brandon. I want you to sign yourself off. Most awesome. Audience, we're not method on this podcast. We're just like Kevin Podlick. We show up, we do our pod. Runway, style, fame, she likes fashion.